So today's reading is John chapter 13. We'll be reading verses 1 to 17. It can be found on page 1081 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back. Do contact one of the stewards if you'd like one of those. So John chapter 13, starting at verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not now realise what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, my hands, my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew was who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As Sarah said, this week we're starting our new series in John chapters 13 to 17. What's often been called throughout church history the farewell discourse. Jesus' last um, sort of long conversation with his disciples before he's taken away to be tried and crucified. And this week's passage, uh, really John chapter 13, but certainly the first 17 verses, act a bit like an introduction to that discourse. Here in this passage, we have the Last Supper taking place, this last meal together at Passover, and we see Jesus here wash his disciples' feet. We'll divide our passage this week into two. Firstly, in verses 1 to 11, we'll see how it is that Jesus, the Savior, serves his disciples and serves us. 
And then in verses 12 to 17, we'll see how the disciples are called to serve in response and how we too are called to serve. And with uh, the remarkable and extraordinary circumstances this week, we'll remember the service of one disciple in particular, Her Late Majesty, the Queen. But firstly then, verses 1 to 11, the Saviour serves. The focus of the first 11 verses, as we've seen already, as Sarah's told us, is Jesus' washing of his disciples' feet. And the foot washing shows two important things in particular. Firstly, as Sarah said in verse 1, it shows a display of Jesus' remarkable love for his disciples. But it also shows, point two, that the foot washing is a symbol of Jesus' saving cleansing of his people. But firstly, the display of love. How is it that what Jesus does here is a display of love? Well, verses 1 to 3 are important here because as the disciples meet to sit and eat together, this scene of friendship and fellowship, our passage tells us, a bit like the trailer to a good thriller, that there's a traitor in their midst. The presence of the betrayer in this scene, in the scene that follows, well, it tinges everything that's happening. As we see this at the beginning, we realize that this isn't just a scene of fellowship and friendship. That there is someone here, someone whose feet Jesus will wash, who hates Jesus so much, he will betray him to death. Yet our passage also shows us that this isn't something that happens by accident. Jesus isn't going to accidentally wash Judas's feet as if he doesn't know what Judas is going to do. Judas's coming betrayal isn't a surprise to Jesus. And so the fact that Jesus still chooses to wash Judas's feet is one more remarkable act of love from the Savior. And yet more than this, it also highlights just how powerful, just how authoritative Jesus is. And as it does so, it helps to sort of highlight just how astonishing what Jesus is about to do for his disciples really is. Sarah touched on this, and it's helpful for us in order to understand the extraordinary, even outrageous act of the foot washing. We need to understand it in its context. Foot washing obviously isn't really something we do in Britain these days. I don't know about you, I'd probably be a little bit scared if someone offered to randomly wash my feet when I went to their house. But at the time, having the feet of guests washed before a meal was an act of friendship and an act of hospitality. As Sarah said, people wore sandals, the roads were dusty, and so people got dirty. But because it was dirty, because you were washing people's smelly and dirty feet, the actual action of washing someone's feet was seen as a humiliating or sort of degrading task, the task that the lowest person in the room would do. Yet John has just told us that Jesus is the powerful one. And then in verse 4, this powerful one got up from the meal, 
took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel. And it's hard for us today to to get our heads around just how shocking this would have been. Jesus is being outrageous here in the way he's violating the social customs of the time. And if we need any more proof of that, we see it in Peter's reaction. In verse 8, Peter says, You shall never wash my feet. The original Greek here in the language is the strongest type of negative reaction you could possibly get. No way. I was trying to think of an equivalent English version of this, and my history brain took me back to no, 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 if anyone knows the reference. But Jesus' reply to Peter reminds us that, that foot washing here isn't just a display of love. It's also a symbol of our saving cleansing. What Jesus is doing here is an acted parable. It's a parable that it isn't just saying. He's physically doing with his hands. And it's pointing to the other outrageous act that Jesus performs. The other outrageous act of service that Jesus is just about to do for his disciples and for all those who trust in him. The cross. Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Peter, you have nothing to do with me unless you allow me to wash your sins away. Peter, salvation doesn't come from you serving me. It comes from me serving you. The most profound truth of the foot washing of our passage today is that it's here Jesus is preparing his disciples, showing them that the most important service he can give them, the most important service of Jesus, is to die for them. These disciples will serve Jesus. Peter will serve Jesus. We see it in the book of Acts. But they can't serve him until he has first served them. And the same applies to us. We too can't serve Jesus unless and until we've first been served by him. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. At the very core, the very core of saving faith in Jesus is the reality that we are all of us unclean. We are all of us sinners who need to be washed and cleansed. Not by ourselves, because we can't possibly clean ourselves on the inside, but by Jesus. You see, Jesus is lowliest, his most scandalous service his most outrageous and greatest act of love isn't wrapping himself in a towel, but wrapping himself in the stain and the punishment of our sin and taking it to the cross on our behalf. 
Jesus died the humiliating death reserved only for traitors and slaves within the Roman world. The king took that punishment to pay the penalty for our sin, to wash us clean. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners washed beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Peter's response to this point, uh, to this um, point of Jesus is, is classic Peter. He's gone from saying, no, 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 you will never wash my feet to, well, in that case, Lord, not just my feet, give me a wash every, I want it all washed. This classic Peter, that, that sort of thing of very hot this way, very hot that way. But it gives Jesus a perfect chance to to make another point. He says to to Peter, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. Jesus says, Peter, I I as always commend your enthusiasm. But once we are saved by Jesus, there's nothing more we need to do to earn our salvation. Jesus says, Peter, I have paid it all. Peter, there is nothing more you need to do to earn your salvation. After Jesus has finished, he tells them that what he's done, he goes and sits back down and he tells them that what he's done is given them an example. The Savior has served, verses 1 to 11, and so now we are to serve, they are to serve in turn, verses 12 to 17. In verse 14, he says, Now that I... Your Lord and your teacher have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's. He says, look at my example. I am the Lord, the King. Yet I have taken on the role of the lowliest servant to serve you. In the same way, you now must take on that role. You are no longer to be principally what you were before, fishermen or farmers, You are to be lowly servants too. And Jesus says to us that through the depths of the service of his death for us on the cross, he is redefining and reshaping who we are. We are no longer primarily what we were before. Engineers, teachers, musicians, parents, sons, daughters, wives, students, retirees, stay-at-home parents. We are servants primarily and principally, too. And when we know how Jesus has served us, when we remember what he has done for us, what he went through, how he humbled himself, how could we want to do anything but serve him in that way? How can we do anything but serve when we have been so deeply served by our master? But that brings us to the question, doesn't it? What does being a servant, what does washing each other's feet look like for us today in the modern world? Well, probably not literally washing each other's feet. As we've said, what was an utterly scandalous act of love then would probably just look a little bit weird now most, in most circumstances. But we can show that same loving service in all sorts of different ways wherever God puts us. 
We've already seen, haven't we, that in 1947, a 21-year-old girl who was no doubt nervous and celebrating her 21st birthday began a life of serving her Savior by speaking to millions of people on the radio, saying, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. That her very first Christmas message, those Christmas messages we've got so used to, it's going to be so weird when Christmas comes round, she said that very first one, pray for me that God may give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises I will make at my coronation that I may faithfully serve him and you all the days of my life. That young woman, 21 years old, knew then what her Savior had called her to be. Not just a monarch, not just a queen, but principally a servant too. And as we look back on her life, we can say with confidence that she did her utmost to keep that promise. As we as a nation have remembered her life these last few days, one thing above all has come up again and again. Her joyful commitment to service. The Queen's life of joyful service has been precisely the powerful witness to Jesus' service that Jesus calls his disciples to. Across the country and around the world, people have loved and respected the Queen precisely because she sought to put herself second and the good of others first. Every year for 70 years, she sought in word and deed to answer the, Lord, the call of her Lord and her Saviour to wash the feet of others in the place in which he put her in a world so full of, of selfishness, of self-absorption and, and self-advancement, the queen stood out as a witness to Jesus' call to humble service. History is littered, littered with, with the bloated carcasses of kings and presidents who abused their position for personal gain, for selfish vanities, for more and more power. The Queen's faith and dedication to service stood out from that as a precious jewel in our nation's crown, a blessing from God. And now she receives her reward to hear the words of Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, a small island out there in the sea. Now I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. How about for us? How do we serve? How do we wash each other's feet in the place and the context in which we have been put? Never mind a palace. What does it look like in a two up and two down in rush home to wash others' feet? Well, it isn't a case of doing a particular set of things. We don't have to tick boxes to be saved. We've already seen that. But it's showing each other that same loving service that Jesus has shown us. It's being willing to say, I won't stand on what I think I deserve or on what I've earned. I'll put that aside to help others. 
We all know the cost of living crisis. It's still there. How can we be looking out for and lovingly serving each other this winter? It might mean making more meals so that we can feed others. It might mean offering up our spare time to do that. It might mean just taking someone out for a coffee who you know who's struggling or sacrificing a spare room for someone who just needs somewhere to stay for a while. It might mean a myriad of things that I couldn't possibly know because I'm not you and I'm not where God has put you. But this is how we do it. This is how we serve like Jesus calls us to. This is the community that Jesus calls his people to be. In the next verses, 18 to 30, John shows the Last Supper unfolding. During that dinner scene, we see this unnamed beloved disciple, how he is contrasted with the betrayer, the traitor Judas at the meal. We see the beloved disciple as he rests his head on Jesus' chest, a picture of absolute trust, absolute devotion, absolute love. In this scene, we see that there is nothing to prove, nothing to worry about, nothing to fear, and nothing to mourn. There is only fellowship, safety, and love. This is a beautiful picture of the promise awaiting the servants of the Savior, a little slice of heaven on earth. This is our promise. This is our hope and reward. This is what it is to, as the queen has now done, enter in to the joy of our master.